Well, I'd like to begin by apologizing for not uh, being at uh, church today. It's never a good thing when the pastor doesn't show up for church, but I, I do have a good reason. I've come down with COVID, and so I'm, I'm isolating in my, uh, in my home. So uh, my being there would mean that I would chase you all away. Uh, my throat's a little bit sore, uh, so I'm going to speak quite softly and remain seated. I'm wondering, I know that those of you who are um, attending in person received an outline of the, um, of the sermon, and I'm just hoping that there might be a PDF that um, Stephen and, um, and um, Evan could pull up for others to see. If not, I would like to read a, uh, a variation of the text that um, I hope will highlight its meaning and allow us to hear it again. It again is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. In light of this, I declare, do not stress out either about your inner self, what you eat, or your outer self, what you wear. Isn't there more to the inner self than food and to the outer self than clothing? Then Jesus offers two reasons. One reason why we shouldn't worry about food and another reason why we shouldn't worry about clothing. And the first reason has to do with food and involves us looking up at the birds. Verse 26, look at the birds of heaven that they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And your father who is in heaven feeds them. And then comes a comparison. And we'll see this with the second illustration as well. Are you not superior to them? Besides, says Jesus, which of you anxious folk is able to add a single 18 inches to his lifespan? Jesus continues, ponder the field flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was decked out like one of these. Then follows another comparison. And if God so dresses the grass of the field, which is here one day and tossed into the oven the next, will he not much better adorn you, O tiny faithlings? Therefore, Jesus repeats, do not stress out, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But your heavenly Father knows that you need all such things. All these things the Gentiles seek after. Continually seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Oh, and by the way, don't even think about stressing over tomorrow, for tomorrow will stress over itself. Each day has trouble enough to make us anxious. Well, in the few minutes that we have this afternoon, I wanted to um, share with you, I guess to begin with, probably what is a pastoral issue. I have to confess to liking this passage a lot because I don't worry very much. And I am more of the happy-go-lucky type than many others. So I can remember when I heard sermons about this, I would just kind of sit back and be tempted to kind of look at the next person who was more obsessive-compulsive than I was and who worried about things more, and I would feel self-righteous. 
So my point is, is that if we look at the passage from the perspective of worry, it's not going to be as helpful as if we look at the passage from the flip side, the antidote to worry, and that is dependency upon God. Let me just flesh out the um, lack of value in um, emphasizing worry. Uh, the New Testament scholar Don Carson in a seminary, in a, in a uh, commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, talks about three people, the happy-go-lucky person, the well-organized person, and then the person who is uh, diligent, but whose wife has recently uh, suffered a stroke and who will only get more paralyzed before she dies. Carson says, well, how do you apply this passage to these three people? The first person loves it. He said, yes, I knew it. I don't worry. Well, the second person feels rebuked and worries that he has been unfaithful, which he may well not have been. And ironically, he begins to worry about worrying. And then the hardworking fellow whose wife has been stricken with a stroke, at first he might be stoic, but he soon begins to hear himself saying, yeah, preacher, walk a, while, walk a mile in my shoes. Besides, what about all the other problems in the world? What about the people in Maripol? Carson says this, these three illustrate the problem the exposition of this text has confronted again and again. Interpreting the scriptures demands both balance and precision. Balance to weld together diverse teachings and precision so that no one teaching is thoughtlessly extrapolated out of proportion. And then he considers the three and he says, the first fellow really needs to hear something about discipline self-sacrifice, and hard work. And he needs to differentiate illegitimate worry from taking responsibility. The second person needs to hear of God's providence, needs to be reminded of the importance of prayer, and that things can't be predicted, and that even the best-made plans can fall aside. And the third person needs to have a loving brother weep with him, pledge support, and when appropriate, Help the brother to see afresh divine goodness and, and care in the cross. My friends, worry is a genuine concern, and that is definitely a highlight of Jesus. He talks about not getting stressed out. So we should take that seriously. But I think it's more helpful, given the different contexts and the different personalities that we have, uh, it might make us a little bit less judgeful, to focus on the flip side, the antidote to worry. And that is, is a single-hearted focus on God's will and God's ways. The answer really comes in verse 33, doesn't it? Which is, I, which is why I have it in bold in the, in the outline that some of you can see. Seek first, continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is as close to a hard rock promise as one can find in Scripture. Jesus says, if your preoccupation is God's kingdom, God's values, God's son, and not where you will get your next meal, God will take care of it. Now, what it means for God to take care of it, I think, is open to some question. Uh, I was reminded, um, I think, by a message from Pam Bales this week that uh, reminded me, anyway, of Daniel chapter 3 where um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be cast into the fiery furnace. 
And they, they say to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They were being forced to bow down and worship or face being thrown into a fire. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So there's the assurance of daily food, as it were, not being allowed to be burned to the flames. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So come what may, even if food doesn't arrive, we can still focus on our dependence upon God. And Jesus actually provided a worthy illustration of this a few chapters earlier in Matthew, when in the wilderness, he was tempted. And what did Satan do? Satan wanted to offer him food. But Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that probably means, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it probably means every man ought to live by what God wills, by what God decrees. And right now, lunch isn't on the menu but I'm still on board with the plan of God. Thanks guys for finding the, the, um, the, um, the, um, the sheet. If you can go to the top of page two, that would be helpful. And that's where I have just an abbreviated outline of a few things that I wanted to say. Well, my friends, Jesus gives two illustrations from life. He talks about the birds and how they are fed by God. They don't stockpile their food. And then he talks about the wildflowers of the field. And he mentions that the wildflowers of the field are dressed more wondrously than Solomon. Think of Jesus on the Sermon uh, on the Mount when he's giving this sermon. And there were perhaps wildflowers in bloom. And as the wind was blowing, there'd be a blanket of color sweeping across the landside, uh, the landscape. And Jesus was saying, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Well, Jesus is taking an illustration from nature and using it to demonstrate God's care. That doesn't work quite as well in our culture because normally we've been taught to think that somehow uh, nature can be independent of God. Lots of people see wonder in nature, but very few people, or at least a lot of people, don't see God behind the wonder in nature. And I really want to encourage us to claim that, to reclaim that, I noticed the other day a picture of a butterfly that had eyes on the back of it. And when the butterfly spread his wings, uh, predators would be terrified and run away. Well, let me tell you, the butterfly didn't put the eyes on the back of the butterfly. And even if you believe in evolution, natural selection alone did not put eyes on the butterfly. My friends, God was taking care of that butterfly by providing it with a means of protection. And Jesus's point is, that if God looks after the butterflies and the birds, so much more does he look after us. And with regard to clothing, well, those flowers out there in the field, they're looking pretty good, aren't they? And Jesus said, if they wilt and dry like those roses that you get that only last a few days and are thrown into the garbage, how much more likely it is that God will clothe you. So uh, those of you who are worriers, I think, uh, can counter that worrying by upping the ante on the other side. Instead of trying to get rid of your worrying, which might just cause you to worry all the more, 
think about how much you can depend upon God and how good God is and how God sustains the world. Surely he can sustain you and me. In the context, this passage follows from the story of possessing treasures. And last week, we learned that Jesus was telling us that we shouldn't store up treasures on earth. And it's almost as though a disciple was saying, okay, I get that point. I will no longer amass wealth for myself. But what about the daily things that I need? And here Jesus is saying, you don't even have to worry about those. Remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. So my friends, we can rely upon God's provision. And if we stay focused solely upon the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus tells us that these things will be added to us. The best solution then to worry is to be all in in the God department. The best solution to worry then is to be all in in the God department. That's pretty hard for us to do in our culture because we're taught to hedge our bets. We're taught to diversify our investments. We love going to the cafeteria and choosing one little bit of this and one little bit of that. Jesus will have none of this, and it's hard for us to follow. But Jesus said, you have to be all in. The more all in you are, the more alive you are, and the more able I am to provide for your needs. Don't look away to worldly needs. I can provide those things. Well, as I close, um, I want to focus on um, application. And I want to suggest three ways in which we can reduce our limit uh, of, um, of prayer. Or we, can, we, we can reduce our, our limit of worry. One of those would be prayer. And you say, Glenn, where do you get that in the passage? Well, we got it from the Lord's Prayer. And we also can get it from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything. That's exactly the same word that occurs here in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul says, what is the antidote to being anxious? Well, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And now comes the satisfying part. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is a good antidote to worry. The second antidote to worry I've already mentioned, it's belief. To seek the kingdom of heaven is to wholeheartedly and single-mindedly pursue the interests of Jesus, his teachings, his values, his goals, uh, and to, to make him your all. The more we focus upon Jesus and the more we trust in God, the less likely we are to stew about earthly things. I read Nafisa's testimony, and I can tell you that she is going to uh, bear witness to an experience that I'm about to relate with this quote. Someone has written, herein lies a deep irony of human existence. According to Jesus's teaching, when people seek to keep everything together 
and provide from them for themselves apart from God, the result is not the sought-after peace, but rather anxiety. The more you try to get security for yourself on your own, the more anxiety-filled you are. He continues, it's the non-God-directed heart that is laying up treasures that ironically, uh, that is laying up treasures, sorry, it is the non-God-directed heart that is laying up treasures that ironically does not have peace. But the people who live like the flowers and the birds are those who are free from anxiety. They seek first the kingdom of God and as a result, get all their needs met without anxiety. One of the, the third thing that I would suggest, in addition to first prayer and in addition to belief, is to remember that worry is a close ally of doubt. One of the reasons why we worry about things is we believe that bad things are going to happen. And sometimes those bad things do happen. But we can always be assured that God knows of those things and that there's nothing bad that can happen to us that will ultimately thwart his good purposes for us. So taking a bit of doubt out of the equation and uh, exercising more trust in God by God's grace, I think will help deal with the concern that we have about laying up treasures on earth and about daily provisions. As I conclude, let me give you a little stress test. You might be wondering whether you're going to pass the test of Jesus that's been given the past few weeks about amassing wealth and about being concerned for daily provision. Let me uh, put before you three scenarios. Your very wealthy Uncle Will has died, and the family is interested in all of the possessions that he has. You're interested in his art collection and in his antique cars. How likely is it that you're going to contribute to a family feud over Uncle Will's things? If not likely at all, I'd say you're probably on track. But if you're in the thick of the feud, you're concerned too much about amassing wealth. Or what about the lottery? I don't participate in the lottery. I don't recommend you participate in the lottery. But one day I did buy a ticket. I thought, well, might be God's will that I win. You never know. And I certainly don't want to get in the way of God's will. So I bought a ticket. Well, if you do that, I suggest you also commit to how you will spend the money if you win. You don't have a ghost of a chance, humanly speaking, of winning, but commit to what you would do with the money. And if you win, follow through. And if you do win, then give the money away like you had pledged. And if you don't win, don't sweat it. Moreover, you should not be tempted to buy more than that single ticket because if God wanted you to win the lottery, you don't need more than one entry ticket. And after that, you're content to leave it alone. Here's a litmus test for the daily provisions. Say you're in a country where there is a shortage of food and food is being dropped. Uh, rations are being provided. How hard will you fight to get to the front of the line? How many other people will you claw back in order to get to the front of the line? Or will you be content to wait your turn and trust in God? My friends, Jesus is saying that we need to rely upon him, and we can rely upon him for the daily provision of the things that we need, and that if we seek after God with soul focus, 
We don't need to worry about that. And Jesus finally concludes by saying, oh yeah, and tomorrow, you might be asking about tomorrow. Well, let me tell you, tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Don't even think about tomorrow. Today is enough. Today has enough things for people to sweat and worry about. May God's grace, may by God's grace, we continue and strive to trust in him and look to God to be our provider. Amen.